Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome back to Twin Cities by Night and our third story arc, Dread. Dread is set in the Twin Cities of Minnesota, Minneapolis, and St. Paul in the hot and humid summer of 2011. Join us again and continue to follow the journey of Katow, played by Quinn, and William, played by Slavic, as they continue to traverse the dark society held within the Twin Cities. They will be joined by three new kindred, Warren, a Tremere, played by Adam, Valentine, a Nosferatu, played by Alex, and Lenny, a Nosferatu, played by Andrew. The Coterie will find themselves joined together by a sense of dread. If you'd like to contact us, you can follow us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM or Facebook at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. For those of you who are listening to the podcast version, just so you know, the next three chapter podcast you'll be listening to, Alex will not be in there playing Valentine. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it but he should be coming back after that. So we left off where Katow and William were standing in front of Jonathan's house. And Katow had just gotten off the phone with Carlos, the Katif, who no one knows where they're located at right now. And William just had a disturbing phone call from his ghoul, David, and William had told David that he wanted him to meet him uh, at a remote area of the city called the Mill District. What the Mill District is, it's in kind of northeastern Minneapolis. It's along the Mississippi River, and it's where flour, which used to be the number one product that the Twin Cities was known for back in the 40s, had, they had all these different mills there that would produce flour. And there's actually still some, it's starting to become gentrified at this time in Twin Cities history, but there's still like a lot of abandoned old mill warehouses there that even some of them actually have still like the old signs on like the brick buildings or painted on the brick of the buildings. So we will start the scene off where Katow and William are standing in front of Jonathan's house. Go ahead, scenes on you guys. So Carlos and uh, and his girlfriend, they're not dead. I suppose that's good news then. Yeah. I told them that honestly the best way to survive is to just we have to introduce them to the uh to the to the others. I suppose this city has been turbulent as of late. <laughs> that's an understatement. Oh, honestly, we thought Minnesota would be so exciting. <laughs> you got that right. I do have a favor to ask of you, however, Katow. You still do have your gun, right? Yeah. Could I borrow it just for an evening? Hey, yeah, you can keep it. I, I, we need to make sure we all go armed now. It's a bit too dangerous. Getting too dangerous. Well, well I suppose you're right. Oh, thank you. There's all something right. I have to take care of. Will you get this whole thing finished up? I'll try if you to see need what anything, I can do. Just call me later. Yeah, will do. Goodbye. I'll... Bye. I have something for you, Quinn, before you get into your car and leave. But William, you're getting into your car and you're taking off to go towards the mill district to meet with David. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, we'll say that you chose one random. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to your scene. I just want to handle Katow at this moment. So Katow, as you see 
William get into his Beamer and starts the car and the lights pierce the darkness as he kind of squeals out and takes off. You're kind of standing in front of Jonathan's older 70s, 70s style house in this kind of quiet neighborhood at the moment. You're kind of just standing there, see the kind of the, 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 the still like the rain clouds that are kind of still covering the moon a little bit and the stars. And you're, you're hearing like the crickets, you know, start chirping a little bit. Uh, you even kind of slightly hear like buzzing of mosquitoes kind of by your ears because of the, the the heavy moisture that is in the Twin Cities this spring. And I need you to give me a perception alertness roll, difficulty six, if you would, please. One, two, three, four successes. So as you're standing there and you're just kind of taking in the situation and also, you know, you know, you're about to you have something in your car, you know, that you're going to have to take care of, you know, that 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 kind of. you know, Carla's sitting in there and that's kind of leaving you a little, you're almost like dreading for lack of a better term, going in there and having to handle that situation. You see movement from the house that is next to Jonathan's as on your left. It's a house that looks like, again, it was built in the fifties or sixties, seventies, kind of has like the bottom half of the house is a single story house. The bottom half of the like wall is brick. You know, and the and the top part, it almost looks like it has a wood planking, like a dark mahogany wood kind of color. It looks that way in the dark. And you see that there's like a big picture window in the front yard, but the window that you see movement coming from is kind of like a side window on the side of the house. It looks like it might be like a window that's in a bedroom or something to that extent. And you see these like very heavy curtains that are that are you know that are hanging, but when you kind of catch out the corner of your eye, you see that they're open a little bit. And the only reason that you caught that they were open a little bit wasn't because of light that was within, but it was because the darkness of them opening the curtains kind of contrasted against the light mustard kind of color of the curtains, you know? And as you kind of look, you see that the the shape and face of an older lady almost that is peeping through. And as soon as you kind of like look in that direction, you see that it closes real quickly. And you notice you're able to see that when they close that you look at Jonathan's house and you look at that window, that this window kind of faces the front of Jonathan's house. Like like I had a bird's eye view of stuff that went in there or anything like that. Mm, that's not good. Oh. I quickly ring up uh, William. William, as you're driving down towards the mill district with this pistol sitting in the passenger seat that you borrowed from Katow, you hear the Bluetooth notification ring in your car that you are receiving a call from him. Yes, Katow? There's a, uh, someone, some, one of neighbor, one of the neighbors was peeping in, on, peeping in on us, and don't, I don't know how much they saw, what they've seen, I don't know. I Quite honestly, when, when you get a chance... You should swing by and see what she knows. I, I can't. I don't know how to deal with this. I, I'm not like. I can't make people talk to people like you and Chase could. Acknowledged, but do remember that I can't make people forget things. I'll just see what she knows, and if necessary, we'll have to deal with her. Well, yeah, bro, yeah, but at least, at least if we do, at least, yeah, I. Just, what else? Do, what else is there? Else, well, just one more problem to the add to the pile. Yes. <sighs> one more. Anyway, I really have to do this. So, 
you do whatever I'm, I'm going to the uh, Hammerheads. And we and they talk to the sheriff. We might need to get some more information. Well, goodbye. So, yeah, Boop. As you hang up the press the button on your steering wheel to release the call, disconnect the phone from your Bluetooth. William, you put your hands on the wheel again and you continue to drive. You go downtown and you're passing like kind of people walking along the sidewalk and the street lights are illuminating. And eventually you find yourself kind of going by some new restaurants that are open, some smaller gentrified joints, you know, that kind of maybe that you recall visiting something similar in the eighties when like when food and restaurants and were the trend and trying to get into the hot new restaurant and locales and being on waiting lists. But slowly you start passing those and you kind of can smell the algae because your windows are down and maybe even your sunroof is open a little bit on top and you can kind of start smelling like the, the algae and the life of the Mississippi River that kind of flows at a steady rate past this area that is called the Mill District. And eventually you start steering your car into streets that aren't, aren't as well lit as the streets you were just traversing. And soon you find that surrounding these roads are these buildings that are made of brick that are multiple stories high. And as you look upon these buildings, you see like old faded paint signs that were that identified one flower company or another, while these were all the rage and, and were, were, were institutions that created wealth and profit for a lot of people in the Twin Cities in the 40s and then in the 50s. And eventually you kind of pull your car into this old blacktop parking lot that's out front in one. It's basically this blacktop is is cracked and there's dandelions and weeds that are kind of like growing through it. You can see it in the dark and you barely see any light because there's this old dim light bulb that's on the side of this of this mill that used to hold flour that's about like two stories up and it, and it barely illuminates the darkness of the parking lot and you see another car in there and it's like this suv it looks like it, it's like a, a suv of some sort like an expedition or or something like that or escalade and it might have been newer you know and more fashionable about you know seven years prior but now it seems to have seemed like the the rust and or the salt and the and the harsh elements have caused rusted on the bottom paneling and and have, has kind of caused the paint to chip a little bit and standing on in the on the side of this escalade is a figure that you know to be dave your ghoul uh, you can see him slightly illuminated because he has the, do the door to the Escalade open and the overhead light, you know, that is inside of it kind of kind of illuminates him a little bit. He's wearing like flip flops and he has like these jean shorts and he has like this white T-shirt that looks like an undershirt of like a business business shirt. And you pretty much can figure that maybe he came home and he simply just threw on, took off his work clothes, threw on some jean shorts and a flip flop, flip flops before the incident happened. And he's sitting there smoking a cigarette and you can kind of see like, like I explained it before, he's like five foot eight and he's somewhat overweight and he's kind of balding. He kind of has a ring of hair along the top of his head and he, and he has like broken capillaries of his nose and on his skin because of him having drink dr for drinking too much and having kind of bad, making bad life decisions. And he's nervously smoking a cigarette as he sees your Beamer drive up. And as your Beamer drive up, drives up you see him like flick the cigarette to the ground and he stomps it out with this flip-flop and you can see his body language changes from being like sad and and, and kind of like 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 scared to like 
excited like like he's happy like when he sees your car pull up and he and he waits as your car you slowly turn off the engine and he and he just kind of like makes towards your car as as you as you arrive what are you doing yeah so William puts the gun uh, on his belt, you know, sort of to the back. <sighs> Opens the door and says, David, how are you? Hey, hey, how's it going, boss? How's it going? He kind of like walks to like greet you as you're getting out of your car, like has his hand out, you know, out for like a yeah, handshake. Yeah, shake his hand, you know, smile, the whole shebang. I, I'm so glad you answered your phone. I, I really am because I don't know what I really think that she's fucking going to leave me this time, man. I really think it's it because I, I mean, I know that I went too fucking far this time, man. I really do. I really do. But it's good because it, it's good. If, if if she leaves me, then I don't have to worry about that bitch and I can focus on the company. And I can, I tell you what, if you help me out with this shit, and you stop her from calling the cops or you give me a lawyer. David, or something David, like that, it's all fine. I'll deal with this. I always deal with it. You know how it is. That's why I love working for you, man. That's why I really do. I really love working. That's why I consider you a friend. That's, I mean, you're more than a boss to me. You're like friend. You're, you're someone I look up to, and I hope that one day I can be like. I, I, you inspire me. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, sir. You, you, you inspire me, boss. But I fucked up, boss. I fucked up. And as you, as he's talking, you can kind of see like his eyes are red from like he was crying pretty hard at one point. I just. Why don't I, we go take a look at the river? Hmm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let's go. Yeah, sh- cool. We could do that. Yeah, and he and he like pulls out a pack of cigarettes and he lights one. He's like, "You want one? You want one?" Uh, sure. And he kind of just hands you the pack and the lighter as he kind of you see he he eagerly leads the way. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I let him go forwards, of course. You know, smoking the cigarette and and he's smoking. David, 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 and you had such promise, and yeah. That's the moment when William is going to shoot him in the back of the head. So as David is walking, you know, you kind of got to you kind of go out of the parking lot and walk along the side. And as you kind of turn the corner of the side, you see a view of the river, you know, and, you know, like the river comes close to a lot of these buildings because back in the 30s, 40s and 50s, you know, they would get the flower and they would put it on a board or a barge and then, you know, ship it down the river. And then someone would pick it up. And as he's, you know, you get around the corner of the building, there's a little down slope, like where there's some grass and you kind of, he's like walking there. And when he gets to the edge, when that's when you start saying, or excuse me, when he gets to the edge of the concrete, there's yeah. no grass there. You, you, um, you say what you say. And so you take this pistol out of the back of your pants and you point it behind his head and you pull the trigger and you feel when you, you know, you've never, had fired i mean you fired guns before i assume you have a dot and fire yeah. you've never taken a life by firing a gun and as True. you pull as you pull this pistol out and it seems like an infinity amount an infinite amount of time as it takes as your finger to pull back the required pressure for the round to go off and eventually it does and through the silence that is this mill district here you just hear this loud crack and explosion come from the end of the gun and you see, like, Dave, the back of David's head just bursts into this mist, but you can't quite make out colors or any details because there's really no light that is like coming that is that is able to illuminate it. And you hear the you see the body fall forward, and you just hear like a slight crunch, but you can't quite make it out too much because of the ringing that's in your ears. And you smell the the gunpowder, 
and it's just standing there with this gun still drawn out and no figure that's standing before it at the moment. And you see, and you smell the smoke of the gunpowder as the wind picks it up and puts into your nostrils. I need you to roll a conscience roll, please. Difficulty eight. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you, you feel as the, you lose one dot in humanity. You're down to three now, right? Yep. All right. And there comes a second where you feel as like you slowly, the hand comes down. That's holding the gun. Almost like the weight of the, the pistol is forcing your arm to come down. You look down at your shoes and you see like brain, slight flecks of brain matter that are at the end of these expensive loafers of yours. And you kind of look, follow up, and you see like David's feet, like one of the flip flops fell off. And you see like hit Verico's vein in the back of one of his calves. And as you're making your way up, you see like. At first, you're following the jean shorts, but eventually you see on the side, on the right side of them, you see this dark liquid. It's slowly, like, making its way down to his leg. Like, it's, it's pooling up around his shorts. And you kind of, you continue to look up, and you see, like, the back of his neck is just covered and, 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 and something dark liquid that you can't make out. And you stare for a second at the back of his skull, and you can't even... There's a moment where you can't even recognize what it once was. You just see, like, it looks like it was punched in with, like, a sledgehammer. And you're staring there for a second, and you realize you feel a part of you slip away again. And you realize, like, staring at this, that you are not who you were six months ago. It's like, it's it's starting to, like, it, 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 it almost, like, it almost, like, um, it's a realization at that moment when you see it. And as you slowly look up from what you see from the back of his head and you look at the river inside your head, you hear in the very back of your consciousness, the ocean again. And you hear the, you hear the slight cascading. So as William hears this ocean, he takes one final drag from the cigarette and throws it after the body into the river, you know, exhales and just, Goes back to his car. He leaves the body sitting there on the on the by the river there. Uh, well, I guess he threw it into the river and throw. I guess. Okay, so you like kind of like yeah. just kind of take its lay, roll him over into the river, and as he flops in the river, you hear the splash, and there comes a moment as you're looking down at the river, and you see like he rolled onto his back, and you just see like you're able to make out his eyes. And like this, this, this slack mouth of his, as slowly he starts to be carried away by the current and starts starts sinking in, as the ember of your cigarette goes out in the river too. Mm. We'll cut to Katal. Katal, you what? Are, what are your plans right now? So after the call to uh, William, like I said, he's going going to head to the Hammerhead Club where the uh, sheriff and all the deputies hang out. So you go to your Corolla, and you go to the passenger side. You walk down Jonathan's driveway, and you open the door, and you see that Carla is still out. You know, she's asleep. You can see the rise and fall of her chest. What is your blood pool currently at right now? Three. Three? You're standing there looking at her, and as you're looking at her, you can still see that wound. You know, even though there's a washcloth, you know what I mean, like a bandage you put on there, you can see, like, the crimson 
as you start your car, you know, the overhead light comes on, you can see the crimp, or when you open the car door and the overhead light comes on, you can see the crimson a little bit starting to soak through the bandage that you put on there. And you, when you're doing that, you're staring at her and you see her chest breathing. And it seems like a moment as you're staring at her and you have genuine concern, I would say, you're like, wow, I can see her jugular like pulsating a little bit because the way that her head's leaning against the window. And as you're starting to notice that, I need you to give me a self-control roll, please. Difficulty four? Oh, difficulty four? Yeah. I got zero successes. Didn't botch, just zero successes. So here's what I will let happen. You can spend a willpower point, but you have to leave the vicinity. You know what I mean? At the at, and and it's gonna. I'm gonna say like, what I'll say is, I'll let you spend a willpower point to leave the vicinity. But before you can even think about getting in that car and driving away with her in there, you gotta feed or you gotta do something. Because if you see her again after that, you're just gonna have no control at the moment. Or you can ride the frenzy, and we can say we can see what happens there. It's, it's your call as a player. <sighs> yeah, I'm gonna have to leave. I have to leave the car. I just I'm gonna spend the willpower point. So you spend the willpower point. What's your willpower at at the moment? I have five left. Five left. Okay. So you open the door and you just like get out and you slam it and you just start walking down the street. You just find, you know what I mean. You're walking down the street. You're like, I can't do this. I can't do this. What are you gonna do right now? So I'm definitely going to just step away from it and be like. Okay, okay, so I have to figure this out. I have to figure this out right now. I look around. Is this like a suburban neighborhood or? Is this a quiet neighborhood where literally right now the only thing that is out there with you is a street light that that is illuminating the street? But there's literally like, you know, just these houses that are along both sides and cars that some cars are parked in driveways on the side of the road, but there's literally like no one walking around or anything to that extent. You can okay. see you can see the warm illumination of some TVs and some windows, you know, some picture windows. You can see like in some that there's like living room lights or lights coming from windows, like there's families that reside in there. And I would even say in some house you kind of hear in the back that there may be like a family having like a you know, like grilling in the back of their house. You can kind of catch that and the, uh, the sound of that as it as it creeps through between the houses to you standing on the street. Okay. So Seeing all that, can I tell, come, I'm going to try to see. Uh, can I see if like I'm going to try to look for a house where like I know there are people in there, but like it's but they're all gone to sleep. Can I look for that? Yeah, I can say that. Like you, you're like one that seems like that there like maybe a car in front, but there's no lights coming or anything like yeah. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd say that there's one house that you come across that looks like that. It's like a, it's kind of like a beige colored house. You know what I mean? And it has like these flower beds that are along the bottom of it. Um, you know, there's like a, it kind of has a sloping front yard, but there's like these sidewalk steps that can like lead up to a little sidewalk that goes to the front door. Uh, you see that there's like this minivan that's parked in the front that looks like it may be like eight to 10 years old. And you, as you walk up to it, you look and you can kind of just see this house and there's really no noise coming from the house. You see that the lights are off. You see the front light, you know, the do front door light is on, but you don't see any light that's in the window or anything like that. All right. Can, now, can I see if I can find a way to like like window or something that will let me get into the house but without like with minimizing as much as much chance as someone else like looking in on me um you can try to go around to the backyard if you can i mean like yeah. you walk to the side of the house and there's actually like a there's like a wooden fence but like you check the latch and you can hear like the latch creak open and you're able to like you know what i mean go into the backyard if you can yeah. i'm gonna do All that right. 
so you do that and you walk on the side of this house to the backyard. And as you're walking by, you're walking by like a dump truck, you know what I mean? Some toys that looks like a toddler has, you get to the backyard and there's like this rusted metallic swing set, you know, that's sitting back that looks like the elements in the snow have just like taken its toll on it. And you get to the back and you kind of like see that there is like a sliding back door, you know what I mean? Like a screen door. And you come upon to the screen door and you try to test it and you see that's locked at the moment, you know, and you see that there's a kitchen window and you kind of try the kitchen window and you could feel that's kind of locked at the moment too. So can I see if I can sort of like uh, unlock the kitchen window without making too much noise or. I would say that the most ability the uh, you could try the kitchen window, but I, uh, as a storyteller, I would say the one that would probably give you the least amount of noise if you were to try to go through it, if you were successful, would be like the sliding glass door in the back. All right. Let's go ahead and give me up. Say that it would be a dexterity and security roll, difficulty eight. Of course, I don't have anything in security. And so if you don't have anything in security, what's one security? Security is... It's a skill. Skill. So that just, it just is a plus one, right? So it's, it's a plus one difficulty. So nine, difficulty nine. Yeah. Uh. I'm definitely going to have to spend a willpower, another willpower point for this. Okay. Go ahead. Blow the willpower. Are right. you, do you still want to roll? To, yeah. Just to see what you get? Okay. And no successes. So, so yeah, okay. I needed That's that. Good. So you're sitting there and you're just like, you come upon the screen door and you're like really feeling like this. Oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. You know what I mean? Like, you know that you are like, I would even say, and we'll talk about this afterwards, that this is a similar feeling that brings out in you that the that when you overfed and accidentally killed when you fed this last winter or yeah this last um spring excuse me and you're and, which that was really in game terms that was just like a week or two ago if you think about it you know what i mean like this is quickly becoming this trend with you and of the desperation feeding you know and you're sitting there and you're trying the window and you're like fuck 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 and you know like i can't just you have enough control where you're like i just can't like break this thing down you know and you're looking and you're like i don't know what to do i don't know what to do and you're kind of like looking at this glass sliding door and you see it's closed right and i don't know if you ever seen this but people sometimes will get sticks like a piece of wood and they'll put it like in the rivet that the door will slide if it was to open and they'll have it there to like where someone for some reason can even get it open when they try to open it, they won't. Right. But you notice that you're looking at this and you're seeing like, wait, like you move it and you see it jiggle a little bit. And so you're sitting there and like out of desperation, like maybe, maybe if I can, so you grab this handle and you kind of like, when you try to pull, you kind of like maybe just like with all your might that you can just to get it to hit this wood and maybe make it pop a little bit. You know what I mean? And you're sitting there trying, you're sitting there for like fucking three minutes trying this. And, and you see the wood like kind of get clacks and it just readjusts and fucking clack and readjusts and fucking you're just, and finally clacks. And then you see like a little, little corner of it lands outside the railing of this piece of wood. And you're just like, holy shit. And you're like, cause there's a second where you're like totally thinking like, this is not going to go anywhere. And so you're sitting there for a second and you're watching this and you're like, try it again. And you see that moves just a little bit like a, like a centimeter, you know what I mean? Off. And you try it again and you're trying. And eventually you get this wood to come fall, like to where the, the, the piece that's against the closed door, you know, not against the, the other end comes off. And, and you're like, okay, now I got to figure out how to open this door. And as you, go to like see if you could do that you realize that they didn't lock the other side of the door that they were just relying on this stick and as you you gently pull it and you hear that welcome like slide as you slide the door open you know 
and as you slide it open, there comes a second where like this glass goes by your face and the predator in you rejoices as it passes your face and you see within this kitchen. What are you going to do? Okay, so it, I'm going to do the first level of uh, protein and just give myself the eyes of the beast so I can see okay. the dark. All right. You feel like that same feeling coming over you where you feel more in tune to your predatory side. Okay, so I'm going to slowly like creep a lot creep deeper into the house and see like and I see if like there's an obvious like which one's the parents door which one's the children's door definitely so you the, this this door slides and when you slide in the door the door open you realize you're stepping into this small dining area that has an attached kitchen to the left mm-hmm. like you slide it and there's like literally like a dining room table there and you step in and you look and you see and you can kind of feel the 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 floor is in carpet you can feel that it's like this this laminate wood laminate to look like it's made of wood and as you slide in there you look to the left you see a kitchen counter like really small kitchen you know like there's the counter and you see a couple bar stools on the counter and behind it you can see like a fridge and you can see like an oven and a microwave and it looks very small like enough room for like two people maybe to get in there and to cook something and you look to the right and you see that there is a small living room and it has like a leather couch and a leather love seat and it has like this like uh, projector TV, you know, like the bigger TVs that used to be projector TVs back then, like where you know before uh, flat screens, and like a little coffee table, and you see like there's like a fake, like a um, fake rubber tree plant, you know what I mean, to add a little aesthetic to the room. And as you walk slowly, so your 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 boots don't click on the wooden floor too loud, you you walk in the living room, and then you look to the left in the living room, and you see a small hallway. And you see on the small hallway that there's two doors on the right and there's one door that's open at the end of the hallway and you can see like a bathroom mirror and sink. And then you see a door on the left. And as you walk slowly down there, you see that the door on the left is closed, but you see the door on the right is open. And as you look in there, you see this, it looks like a room that has the princess aesthetic to it. Like there's like a dollhouse and there's like, you know, like some puppy posters on the wall. And you see like, there's like this five-year-old that's like sleeping there on the bed. I need you to give me a self-control roll, please. Difficulty four. And I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just saying because of the intensity right now of you doing this, you know what I mean? Being a predator and seeing the first living thing there. I got one success. Okay. So you look in and you see like this girl and there's a second where like you feel like yourself stepping in the room and you stop yourself. You put your hands like the edge of the door. You know what I mean? Like the, the frame of the door. And you're like, no, I can't fucking do this. And you kind of like feel yourself push. Like it's almost like you're pushing against yourself. Like, and you push yourself away from that door and you continue on. And as you're walking down slowly and your boots are gently, you can hear the footsteps on this wood. You look right into the last door and you see like this boy who's like 10 years old and he's like sleeping in this bed and you see he has like star Wars blanket and he has like this toy chest that's full of toys. And you see on his floor, there's all these Legos and there's like even like a little TV on there and you see like he's laying on his back and he's just like sprawled out. I need you to give me a self-control roll difficulty three this time. All right. Cause you're a, you passed the first one. Difficulty three. Okay. So that's one success again. So you're like, you feel that, and there's a second where you, but you understand what you're going to look in, in this room. You know what I mean? That first one prepared you, you know what I mean? And you like gently push yourself away. And as you push yourself away, you turn and you look at this closed door that's in front of you. I'll try to see if I can, I try the handle, is it open? 
Yes, it opens. You try you it's a turning handle and as you turn it, you gently open this door and as you open the door, you kind of see like the ceiling fan. You hear the ceiling fan kind of like going, you know, very lightly and you look and you see this king-size bed where the, you just see like the, the the silhouettes of two figures that are laying like under blankets on there and you can kind of see like there's two end table or two nightstand tables at each end and you look to the right and you see that there's like a TV that's on like this dresser. But there's like no light illuminating at the moment in there. Okay, I'm gonna try and approach one of the figures and see if I can, uh, you know, get close to them without waking up the uh, other one to see if I can feed off them. All right, give me a dexterity and stealth difficulty seven. All right, I'm gonna do another willpower point. I'm just burning through that today. It's because yeah, awesome. I, I, this one I want to get right. Like it's in character. It's definitely in your character's nature. You know what I mean? Like not wanting to just go. I can only imagine if William was in the situation right now. <laughs> it was difficulty seven. Yeah. Well, it'd be one success with. Uh, there'd be two successes counting the willpower. So you're able to creep along, and you walk to the left side of the bed because it's closest to you. You know what I mean? It's like path of least resistance. And as you creep along, you look and you see like there's this figure. He's kind of like in the fetal position almost but his his face is facing the where you're at so right now you're like literally like looking down on him you know and he, you can see like you can kind of make out that he he has like shorter hair and you can kind of see like maybe like a week's worth of beard growth he's a caucasian guy you can kind of you know he has the blankets around him but you can see his neck and his and right now you're like literally like can smell Right now, his breath that is coming out of his mouth because he's gently like breathing out of his mouth and smells like, you know, like, like, like some morning breath in a way. And you can kind of like, but when you smell that, you start looking and you see his jugular just start pulsating. What are you going to do? I'm going to have to feed. All right. So I feel kind and I'll let you like feed you gently. I'll let you feed off. And before I describe the scene, how many points are you taking? Tell me that first. I'm going to take two, but I, I'm going to get a bonus one because I have the, the merit. Oh, you're so lucky. Because I was going to say, if you said three, I wasn't going to make you roll a roll because you quenched enough. But if you're going to try something like, I'm just going to take one or two, I was going to be like roll. But you're lucky for that. I forgot that perk you had. So you get three. I'll let you take three. I won't make you roll a self-control roll. So, yes. All right. You slowly like find yourself like it's almost like his neck is magnetized to your your head like you find your head it's almost like going against your will right now like you're viewing this from the outside and while you're viewing it from this outside you almost are like please 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 like you're begging yourself in your head like have control have control have control and as you come into his neck you slide your your teeth into him and you're able to draw three blood pool points from him as you lift up your neck you realize just it's like almost like reality slaps you and you're like literally you've never been in a position like this before you've never broken in anyone's house before and right now you are in the nucleus of this family you have invaded their home you're literally like looking down upon someone that you stole something from at this moment and right now you are in your clear mind again and you find yourself in this situation Tell me right now what is going on in your head and what are you going to do? So right now, the realization is like, oh my god, I, I freaking had a... It reminds me of the nightmare he had a while ago with, like with uh, Max. And so it was like, oh my god, I, now I'm the one, I'm the, I'm the thing, you know, in the nightmare, keeping on someone else. That's, that's going to hit him like, oh my god, what? Like, 
I'm the freaking monster in this situation. I'm the bad guy. Like that is, I don't like this. And so once he like, okay, I'm, now I'm gonna turn around. I'm gonna leave. As soon as he like gets clear, I'm, I'm just leaving. I really love that like that, that tie into the dream that you had in the second arc, where you saw from when you were an orphan and you saw Max come into this room, like looking at these children. You know, for those of you who don't know. You can go check out the second story arc, Homecoming, where Katal realized he has kind of like a history of being in foster homes when he was a kid where kids ended up missing. And he believes that this is tied to Max Cleveland, another character from the first two story arcs, whose origins they're not aware of. They don't know anything about him. They don't even know, like, if he's human, kindred, whatever. You know what I mean? They just they just know that he hasn't aged that much. You know what I mean? So we're going to say at this point, since you couldn't go to the Hammerheads at this moment, we're going to say, William, we're going to cut to you real quick. Am I wrong in assuming that you're going to come back to this house and go try to talk to this lady like Katow told you about? Or what, what What are you doing after this moment? At the, well, Tell me what's going on in your head at this moment after you handled things with David uh, and tell me what you're going to do. William's probably actually going to head home. Just, he's going to deal with it, you know, next night. Not today. He wants to check up on his stuff, you know. Check on all his investments and just think about everything. And yeah, what is he thinking about right now? Like the actions that happen with him and David is just he's not thinking feel, about them. Yeah, because I mean, I would think humanity you would, three. It's just, yeah, if you would have failed the humanity role, then you'd be thinking about it. But right now, it's just like you put something down. You know, you put something yeah. down that you thought would be an investment into what your plans were. And it didn't end up being that. And now it had to be put out of commission because it was causing you more harm than it wasn't good. Actually, there is one more thing. Uh, I'll try to find an account of uh, of David's wife. Mm -hmm. And he'll set up like a small cash flow there from David's sort of assets. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So like, basically you're going to take like David's share of the company that you guys had together. Basically you're going to like basically give her her share, sell him off, sell his share off and give it to her. Or are you just going to give her? It's not going to be like a lump sum. It's going to be like steady payment sort of things. From this mysterious benefactor kind of thing. Yep. It's probably like going to be a run through some, I don't know, shell company or something. I won't make you roll for that. I like the idea of that. And like, like you kind of set that up and everything like that. What's his rationale in doing that? I mean, you pretty much didn't care about killing the guy. You know what I mean? Like you put him down because you serve no purpose, but what, what, what? Yeah, but it was also partly because I guess William knows that, well, this was probably inevitable considering who David was. It's also quite possible that him making him that way, sped up the process oh so he feels a little guilt for like being responsible yeah. for how david Look, ended up definitely oh i like that so that he doesn't that... feel bad for david because you know he was who he was would i be wrong in assuming that like even a small part of william can kind of relate to the fact that his dad yeah. was not yeah, as exactly. bad as david yeah but he like... feels bad for the family but does, he doesn't feel like guilty in any way for doing what he did does that oh. make sense Oh, dude, it makes 100% sense. Yeah, like, I love it, definitely. So, Katal, you go back to the car. I would say, like, 20 minutes has gone by. You open the car door, and you see her. And there's a moment where, like, you're kind of, like, scared to open the door, but you open the door, and you see her, and you realize that you're seeing her with the new filter 
and you just see this poor pathetic lady who's i don't mean pathetic like to insult her personally but she she's had like a ton of fucked up shit happen to her and right now she has fallen into your lap so you said you're going to the silver dollar yeah okay so you get into your car and you start driving out of this residential area and you almost feel a sense of freedom when you do because you realized at this moment that when you were forced to follow your instincts, your options were limited. You were literally like stuck and you only had very few options. This could have ended up very ugly, very bad. And the moment that you like leave this residential area and you start going like to downtown areas and you start like seeing people walking up and down the street and you start seeing these bars and all this stuff you start feeling this sense of like okay i'm free i can roam now you know what i mean like i'm not so en- ensnared as you just were eventually you start going to the to the southeastern outskirts of minneapolis and you start getting into more of the white trash seedier side not not quite as bad like you know there's crimes happening in the street but definitely where biker bars will be at and everything you start rolling up into this familiar site of the silver dollar a place you were just at like not just a couple days ago it almost feels like forever ago when there was ophelia with you and there was there was carlos and there was cindy you know what i mean and now and there's your sire and then now you're like coming upon this place and you realize as you pull your car along the side of the road, because there's like side of the street parking and you get out that this place isn't upbeat as it was before, you know, when you fed there before now you're looking, you see, still see the silver dollar logo that I explained that looks like the Paps blue ribbon logo, the neons lit. And you can kind of see within the, the, the huge window in front, that there's still pool tables there that the faded green felt is lit by the neon that of the light that hangs before but you look in there and you don't see like these these females who look like they've been drugged through by life you know what i mean and have had the worst happen to them you kind of realize that it's like there's only a few people in there what are you gonna do okay i'm definitely gonna like just shake off whatever like the uh Anxiety from the, from my from my experience to just head in like okay gotta gotta start planning gotta start making making things happen now. Are you going to leave Carla in the in the car? Is she awake? Oh, she's still out. She's like still asleep there. You know. I do I consider it for a moment. Like I think it's best for right now just to leave her there, just because it just because it, it'd be a bit of a hassle just to drag her an unconscious woman into a bar. Definitely, definitely. So you go up to the bar and you notice that there's not even like someone standing in the front of the bar like there was last time, you know? And you push open this door of the bar and you come in there and you can see, hear like classic rock, like kind of playing on this jukebox. You see the same bartender there and you see a couple of like the hammerhead MC folks that are sitting there drinking beers, but you don't really quite see, you know what I mean? Any kindred at the moment, but you know from your interaction with the bartender, you know what I mean? That the bartender is enlightened somewhat to your condition you know what i mean it knows that you're different than the normal patrons and you see him look at you as you come walking in and he kind of like makes his way to the edge of the bar knowing that you're probably going to walk there almost like he puts like a little napkin you know there to kind of treat you like a normal patron because he knows you know what i mean to pretend as you come walking in i ask him like hey any like you know is, uh, any others around ty tree anyone else He's like uh, trees downstairs right now, and, and ties in there downstairs too. You can head on down there. All right, go ahead and need to talk to them. Yeah, yeah, go ahead and make your way down there. Uh, just so you know, ties ties not in a good mood, man. And um, just I'll be careful. Yeah, yeah. 
And then he goes back behind the bar. You walk past these two pool tables and you kind of go to the same door that led, you know, steps down. You kind of push open this door and you walk down these crickety, like 15 wooden steps that go down into like a basement area. Cause this isn't like part of the bar. This is like where they store like cases of beer and they store like kegs or they, you know what I mean? And you know, down here they have like a, they have like a poker table that they sit at or something to that extent. Yeah. And as you walk down this, this, the, these steps and you come upon like this, this, like the cement foundational floor and you see that trees like sitting in this, in a plastic chair. And you just know him by tree, you know what I mean? And you, and you, and he kind of has like, he's wearing like blue jeans right now. And he kind of has like a white long sleeve shirt that's tucked in like a button up shirt. You know what I mean? That's tucked in, but he has like the sleeves rolled up and he has like the first like few buttons of the shirt undone. You know, he looks like he was, he looks like he was Hispanic in his mortal life, but due to the kindred condition, his skin is a little bit lighter than maybe it normally was. He has like this black beard that's somewhat little patchy and he has like this very oily black hair. And right now he has it like in a ponytail and he has like these like couple like hemp necklaces and, and like things from like the San Francisco sixties era that are like kind of around his neck. And he has like these cowboy boots on that are underneath it and he's sitting in this plastic like chair you know what i mean those plastic cheap yard furniture chairs mm-hmm. and he's like sitting against the wall and you see that like he's got like a magazine open or something and but before you can even like say a word to him you hear this noise coming from behind these double this, this closed door because he knows there's this wooden cheap wooden closed door down there and you just hear like this sound of rutting you hear like this woman just like grunting like it's like and and you for a second you listen to it and you realize it's like sexual in nature but it's not like the the recipient of this is not enjoying it you know what i mean and for a second you're hearing it and then you just hear a couple more female voices but it's not like like i said like porn star quality like overly faking orgasmic it just sounds like like someone's being the on the receiving end of, of of something of someone and there's a second where tree looks up at you when he realizes you're in the room and then he sees you like kind of like inquisitively looking at the door and he looks at you and at the door and he kind of motions you like to come to him and his eyes open a little bit like like come over here man you know what i mean yeah uh, i take it they're busy in there Ty's letting out some aggression, and this is how he le- he lets out his aggression here. Um, what's up? What do you need? Well, well, I got problems. So, you know that Chase guy, the Ventru, might have been an asshole. Yeah, I remember the running with him at Elysium. What's up? Well, I think he might be dead. Are you fucking kidding me? How first bugs and now him? And there's another, the 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 woman that came here a while ago, Ophelia. What the fuck are you fucking? And you hear his voice getting louder. Are you fucking kidding me? Now we have three fucking kindred who have died in this fucking city. I, I just, I, it, yeah, it's fucking shit. But it's we have to right now. We have been more media concerns. And as you say, more immediate concerns, you hear the door open from the side of you. And as the door opens up, you see the figure of Ty. He's standing there with just like these stonewashed blue jeans on, barefoot, has no like shirt on. His, his, he, you could see maybe in life he kind of had the beginnings of like a beer belly that were starting to form. 
You see like his short cropped high tight hair, but like his handlebar mustache. You see like like the hair is kind of grayish, like he was older. You see these cheap like tattoos that are on his arms and like kind of on his chest. And as you look behind him, you see this like mattress on the floor and you see these three strung out females that are laying on the mattress. And you see like one of them has a bruise like on the side of her face that's starting to swell up like one killer bruise. And you see a little bit of blood that is on his mouth, on like the bottom of his mouth. Like he wasn't feeding as neatly as some do when they're under better control. And you see him standing there for a second and you see like he's gripping the door handle and he's looking at you. What did I just hear you say? I got bad news and it's, I think the couple of people I know might be dead. Who Who is it this time? Uh, it's uh, Chase and Ophelia. Tree, grab your shit. We got somewhere to go. He's like, you? And he steps out the room. You can have some of that shit if you want. Wait, 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 I, I, there's some, I need, I just need, I need someone, I need just something to go on. I got Chase's, uh, you know, he, he gave her, he gave her some blood, and but and now she's remembering stuff. I, she might know too much about, I just. Boy, I gives a fuck about some fucking, someone's bitch. Do I look like a fucking babysitter to you? You don't think I got enough shit to worry about right now? You should be more concerned about your sire's fucking death than some stupid fucking broad. I, I that was a plaything of your fucking goddamn venture pal there. I Figure got your shit out, boy. I ain't got no time for this shit. You understand? I You're got even. I got even for bugs. He's being stopped for a second. What do you mean you got even with for him? I'm saying I found the guy who killed him, and he's dead now. Who fucking killed him? Some. Ah, oh, this is shouldn't have come here. Out. Some whacked out crazy guy from one of the Malkavians. There, you know, that old scourge crazy woman that came back? She made some new ones. You see him for a second. Like, he, he, he can't even think of something to say. What, what do you want? What, what do you want me to do that this bitch that you're talking about? She's dead, too. What do you want me to do with the bitch that you said you had from that venture? Okay, so just, I just need some place to stash her so that. She doesn't go, I don't know, blabbing off to someone. Maybe Fine. we can see if she can, we can give it to one of the other Venture people. Fine, see listen. If... You can keep the bitch here. I don't give a shit. I gotta go, though. Okay. And you see him turn around. He's like, come on, let's go. You need to call face. And, he, and as they start walking up the stairs. And as you see him, this is like a storm of like, you know what I mean? You're sitting there like caught up in all this. You didn't even, you never expected to tell him about any of the shit that happened, you know? And he's like heading up the stairs. And as he's heading up, you look in this room and you just see like two of the chicks like putting on their clothes. And you see the one who has like the killer bruise on the side of her face is just out snoring. And what are you going to do? At that point, I'm just going to look back and like, this is not a good night. Then I'm gonna like go back back up the stairs and see if I can sort of like uh, bring Carla down here and without too much you know trouble. You're able. We'll just kind of say that you're able to get Carla out and that the bartender. You know what I mean? Who, by the way, this bartender has tons of experience working with females who have OD'd, who have been in precarious situations. You know what I mean? And he's he kind of like helps her out of the car and. And he looks at her forehead and you can see like he's genuinely like feels taken aback by what he sees, you know, as he gently brings her into there and leaves you on your own. Hello, folks. 
Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts, or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded, one which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want? Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called Weight Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there. High Level Games, the industry's first choice in taking your games to the next level. We are a podcast blog and new media network at highlevelgames.ca. We have blog posts about all of your favorite games going up five days a week and a podcasting network with actual plays and shows that discuss role-playing games with more rolling out all the time. We are on iTunes, Twitch, and YouTube. Find out more information at highlevelgames.ca, a site that certainly isn't controlled by a shadowy board of directors of otherworldly origin. That's highlevelgames.ca. Please, help. They're coming. Los Angeles metropolitan area is constantly growing and changing. The central district is full of new buildings. The Hollywood and Wilshire districts, once far from downtown, now are part of a which spreads past Beverly Hills and out to the ocean. Why is all this going on in Los Angeles? Why is Los Angeles an exploding city? Dawn Masquerade. The Demon's Mirror. Thirteen Candles. Three Chronicles running through the undead veins of the City of Angels. The Esoteric Order of Role Players Actual Play Podcast invites you to drink deeply. Go to eorpodcast.com and search the Duets tag to find out more.